area that, quite honestly, they would not be found dead in, only to be greeted by a guy who was living with the dead. And they meet the tormented, possessed by a legion of demons. Legion of full accompaniment in Roman terms would be 6,000. Regardless of the number, Scripture says they were many. Now, before you get too far to divorce from this, I want to read a quote from C.S. Lewis that he wrote about himself before he became a follower of Jesus, before his conversion. He said this, There was a zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatred. My name was Legion. We tend to live with this unconscious, selective, spiritual attention. It keeps us from recognizing the impact the demonic realm has on our everyday life. And I guarantee you, it is more in front of you and I than we know or dare to even admit. Here's the thing that I really want you to connect with this morning. It's simply that Satan, whether you believe that Satan is one being or a number of beings, control demons to manipulate and use people for his own purposes. Okay. To help illustrate this, I need probably four people who need to just pop up. You're not getting a gift card, sorry. I know I do that in the past. One of you are going to have to represent Satan. One of you is going to have to represent principalities. One of you is going to have to present, present powers. One of you is going to have to present people. I got one. Come on, three more. Uh, all right, we got our four. Great. All right. All right, so uh, you're all sweet, so it doesn't matter where I start. You're Satan. This is Satan. It doesn't make sense. I come against that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. But I want, I want just for an illustration, you have to understand that, that Satan has a plan. Satan has a desire that goes all the way back to when he was this beautiful angelic being ministering to the Most High God. Satan's desire was that he would be God. And in order for Satan to be God, Satan has to have humanity worship him. He, humanity never worships him in truth because he's not the father of truth. He's what? The father of lies. So the, the ones that are worshiping him because they're blind, because their hearts are darkened, because they have no life in their hearts, they believe the lie. And as long as they believe the lie, they believe in, in our culture, in the, in the Americanized culture, where we have this, this inalienable right for a pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, right? And so not that those are bad things, but when the enemy uses it, it becomes all about self. So we think we have our own kingdom, but there is no human kingdom. That was given up at Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve chose to listen and to follow Satan. Satan doesn't do everything on his own. Satan does, in all likelihoods, not come into your house. You didn't marry Satan. That was for the people online. Okay? But he has 
principalities. And they're never this sweet. He's never that sweet. Principalities are never that sweet. But principalities are in the realm of regions. So you read about this in Daniel chapter 10, I believe, where he, he talks, the angel comes to Daniel and he says, I was held up because of the prince of Persia. And so when, when we think about the, say, for example, you think about uh, the United States or Puerto Rico, or you think of areas in the, uh, the, the world, um, then what you have is you have these principalities that are under the direction of Satan. But understand this. They don't sit around a conference table and come to a consensus. This interaction that is moving this way as we go along only moves through fear. Fear is the complete opposite of an emotion that love generates. Because what scripture says is where there is perfect love, there's an absence of what? Fear. But you got to recognize this. I, I was talking with a couple people this week, and I just said, when it, when it comes to the news of the day, I have to get out of the chaos. Because there are principalities at work that are more in our face today than at other times of history that is bringing fear. What is a fear attempting to do? Fear is ultimately attempting the attention to get back to Satan, off of God, onto Satan. And so he does this through politics. You're going to like this next one. He does this through corporations. I'm going to reference McDonald's. Because now you start getting down to the powers this is where the structure becomes more organized on an individual person's basis. So, so in between this, these two areas, the, the, we have the, the principalities and we have the powers. Where Clarissa and I pastored before was a place called Sholo, Arizona. And so when we first started the church in Sholo, I, I really just wanted to understand the history of our area and, and get an understanding of how the enemy really kind of got his hold on that um, area. Because it's 1800s, it was late 1800s, it was founded, not real old. But what, what uh, was interesting about Sholo, it was founded by two guys. Uh, and, um, and one of the guys uh, who ended up really staying there was a guy by the name of Cooley. And him and this other guy had kind of grown into this area. And a little bit maybe like uh, Lot and Abraham, they kind of outgrew the area. And so as, as the story goes, they actually played cards on who would stay. And the guy who, in this poker, showed low, stayed. Cooley was his name. He had a, he had, the place where the main steakhouse for Mormon is on the top of this hill. Uh, Cooley's house sat right there. It was called the White House. He actually was married to an Apache. Now, at that time, the Apache Indian Reservation, um, it came quite a bit further into, uh, closer to Sholo at that time. And, uh, and he actually sold his crops to the Calvary down um, on the reservation. And uh, it wasn't long before he got uh, a letter, started the, the Mormons, excuse me, started migrating down from Utah, and they began to settle. And they began to actually start growing crops and underselling him to uh, the Calvary and, uh, on the reservation. So he wrote Brigham Young. And I didn't read his letter to Brigham Young, but I, wrote Brigham, I read Brigham Young's letter to him. And this was completely done by a, a principality and a power. Because in this letter, he wrote him and said, if you do well with us, we will do well with you. But if you do not do well with us, we will curse you. And he placed a curse on him if he had ever tried to go against him. Do you know what he did? He sold out. 
He left the area because of that letter. And what happened geographically is that the Mormons who were the, the founded in Snowflake, where the temple is, and then you have Sholo, they moved all the way up to where the border, um, the old border of the reservation was. Because now the principality and the power work to have this region. And so if you were to go and live where my kids went to school, you went to school with, with really 50% Mormons because that was the power of that area. And so when, when Josh was getting ready to go into senior island high school, he didn't go to a ward, so he didn't get to get on the football field. And I said to him, you want to leave this? Because I understood the power that was over him. It's a spiritual power. Now, he, chose, he said no. And it gave him a chance to minister to a couple of football players that he would not ever, because our main thing's not football. <laughs> I got zero, but got two amens right here, and that was it. But nonetheless, uh, but, but that's how, this is how this works. This works between the power and the person. When you understand that there is a power and then the person, that means everybody. You have powers that are against you. Sorry, I'll encourage you before you go. But at this point, you've got to understand, there is a power that is at work against your and I's soul. There are, there are powers that can end up like the man in the, in the scripture that I read where there is legions in them. And I want to stop just here for a minute because I want to address something that's common when it comes to uh, the whole topic of, of demonic and possession, because there's, there's, you got to understand what possession means. Possession means you own it. You own it. You don't own yourself. Either God owns you or Satan owns you. And this is the great lie of Satan. Who's God? He's withholding from you. So what, when, when Adam and Eve believed that lie, when Eve believed that lie, and then Adam loved Eve enough to go in it with her, they turned away from God and turned toward Satan. And Satan had the rule and reign of this world. And so from then until now, he's ruling. Now, in the midst of that is the kingdom of God. But before we get to the kingdom of God, understand this. It's not just because I'm not possessed, just because I'm not uh, owned by Satan does not mean that he is not influencing and impacting and moving your life in a way that God doesn't want it to go. Don't ever believe that. He works overtime on this. And so what we have to do is we have to, before we can ever meet people who are tormented, we have to recognize how and where the enemy torments us. So when you talk about, when you talk about things like sickness or you talk, talk about things like, and I'm, I'll, this is part of sickness, you talk about mental health, that kind of thing. There are things that, that have been laid by Satan since the fall that go all the way down to us that actually directly there are no, there are no principalities nor powers that need to be directly involved. And if they're, if, if they're involved, it's only because they're advertising for us to eat chicken nuggets five times a week. You know what the result of that is? Sickness, right? Uh, the, the, typically, you find that, that in family lines, that there, is, there, is a, there are heart issues and there's cancer. Those two main things, right? 
It's, it's, we're, we, we live in bodies that are going to die, right? Now, it doesn't mean that we don't take care of the temples. It doesn't mean that we don't do things, that we, we pray for healing. I love the fact that Lewis walks in today and says, son-in-law was healed of cancer this week. They got the reports. It wasn't there, right? Amen. Praise God. He does that kind of thing. There are things where the principalities and the powers work to bring a disease, we're seeing a mental health disease like nothing this world has ever faced. Now, don't get me wrong. Your brain, my brain, is nothing more than flesh. It's no different than your hamstring or your bicep or you, you know, you, any other part of your body, your heart. It's, it's flesh. We think a lot with that flesh, so it gets a lot of time, but it's flesh. But the enemy has done things to work overtime to actually bring sickness. So from the powers... To the people, you got to begin to recognize how it's influencing and how it's affecting. In, in, in a big part of this, and Clarissa and I were talking about this week, and I know some of you think I'm going to be a Chinese agent for this. I am much more into TikTok than Facebook because Facebook tells me what I want to watch. TikTok goes, oh, you like that. I'll give you more of that. You like that? I'll give you more of that. Which is when, when senators get up and say, all I see are scantily dressed women and perverts, TikTok gives you what you want. And people didn't recognize that there's a principality and a power at work in these people's lives. But mental health is being recognized that because of social media, because no one asks the question that they should when it comes to social media, Jesus, do I even need to know about these people's lives? Do I need to even hear their successes? Because if, if it wasn't for social media, you wouldn't. But we're so bombarded, we don't recognize that the enemy is at work to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And so, so and here's, here's the challenge I have to the American church, is the American church thinks they have so much power right here, and yet they display none right here. We'll sit and we'll, 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 we'll do all the prayers for the right candidate to get voted in thinking we're going to affect that, and we're not affecting this right here. For the body of Christ to be, to be effective in our world in any generation, in any day, this is where the battle is. And so this, this is the tormented. Actually, when I golf with him, I'm the tormented. That was a compliment. Because I wasn't going to say you were good looking. <laughs> but if we're going to minister, if we're going to meet and minister at the speed of life to the tormented, we have to understand how they get tormented in the first place. So thank you guys. That was really good. Thank you for your help. So make no mistake that the Satan wants to destroy God's greatest gift and power. He wants to destroy people's lives. He wants to kill the light in our homes, in our children. And get this, he's going to do everything he can to corrupt and emasculate the gospel message. There is power in the gospel message. But if he can disempower people, he's free to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to do everything he can in your life and my life to cause doubt, unbelief in not only who God is, but the power that was demonstrated at the cross. 
He's going to do everything he can to pump up your ego and stir up worry. He's going to devour the young, the weak, and the lone. Yet for me, the big picture of this is Israel when they were, when they were slaves in Egypt. They were possessed by Pharaoh. They had no control over their life. But it was God who delivered them. And so they became his possession. This is an important part of the gospel message. When we say yes to Jesus, we are not our own. We are his. But God did a funny thing. He took them to the promised land, and the promised land was filled with a bunch of ites. You know, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the, all the different ites that were there. And they had to fight to overcome what was in the land. And some Christians, when they begin the fight, believe that they're still in Egypt. And then there are some who win a battle and they settle. And whenever the Israeli people stopped advancing, then the very things that possessed the land before they got there stayed and caused them problems their whole existence. And really, they ended up living with an unconscious, selective spiritual attention. So how do we grow? I want to talk through a, a few of the points here, because there's points of entrance that we have to understand where when you really start talking about the power in the person, we're going to work backwards a little bit here, uh, because we all in, uh, encounter or uh, come into things in our life that really give an open door uh, to, to the enemy. Uh, the, the first one to me is, this is not an exhaustive list, by the way. Uh, the first one are disappointments. Disappointments cause incredible vulnerabilities. I can't begin to explain how, how difficult uh, 2022 was for me personally. When I, when I on my birthday, sat with the, uh, the orthopedic surgeon, and he told me, you have to make a life choice to either continue to do damage to your hips, get it replaced, or never play again. I was disappointed. Now, some of you go, well, you don't know how old you are. Hey, listen, that doesn't mean anything to me. I just expect things to work. But it's in those times where you get moments of great disappointments that it's easy for the enemy through powers to help develop wrong belief systems inside of you. And, and this is the place where people, especially Christians, begin to rationalize why the name of Jesus doesn't have the power. We tend to think that God should, rather than I'm his, and we begin to rationalize why a healing didn't take place, or why the person didn't come through on their promise, or why a person who once demonstrated love to me now shows the complete opposite. Another one that I'm going to group together, because they are very closely related, and you understand this, is divorce and death. The, the, in both cases, there is an ending. And how, how that you respond to that ending is critically important. First of all, I grew up where divorce was the impardonable sin, okay? You just, but the reality is, is that that was a wrong belief system. 
there's life after divorce. Let me say that again. There's life after divorce. But if you're not careful, what will get seeded at the root of your relationship is unforgiveness. There will be a sense of shame that the enemy will work his way in uh, and, and by the way, when we talk about the power, do you know, sometimes that power looks like a parent. Sometimes that power looks like a, a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad or a boss or a brother or a sister or a fellow Christian that the enemy uses to, to, to bring in this feeling of guilt and shame. I don't know how many times I've heard over the years where someone walks through someone leaving them and they walk into the body of Christ and they feel like everybody's looking at like something's wrong with them. But as we dealt with even with Andy last year, the sudden going, the the unexpected, why would God allow that to happen? The enemy will always throw out questions out there in an attempt to really to get a person distracted. One that's not often talked about besides death and divorce, like I won't be able to go deep into any of these really, but is deviant actions. Deviant actions are these things that oftentimes are done in our childhood or our uh, teenage years that they end up getting a foothold in our life. Paul said to Timothy this, he said, flee youthful lusts. There's just something about those formative years that the enemy will, he'll kind of sandbag something in there for later. And and so there has to be a recognition that there was a power that was at work when we were children or when we were teenagers that he's trying to bring back again so he can get a person to live under shame, uh, get a person to be tormented, whether that torment is out in the open or it's something that's private, but the torment is there. Another one would be biological changes or accidents where uh, in our world, uh, the, the, we are told, um, and I'm not higher anti-education by any means, but our higher education, uh, the enemy has used really well as a, as a principality and a power. And so in the area of psychology, the, 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 the masses believe that we are, our character is dictated by our emotions. So if you don't feel like a man, become a woman. I was even thinking about the fact that, especially in relation to this scripture, uh, the, the demons referred to themselves as uh, we, them, us. And here it's only been in the last five years that the government has said those are pronouns for us. Gee, where did that come from? Because we've been told that our, our feelings, the way we feel about ourselves, really dictate. And so it's a real open door. When, when, uh, when a woman has a baby or becomes even pregnant, that time from early pregnancy to, to a year after that child is born, there are incredible motions up and down. And, and it's great opportunity for the enemy to come in and sow lies. It, it's, it's a place for the, the, the enemy to come in and tell the man, well, she doesn't want you anymore. Just go find someone else. And so it becomes an open door for, uh, for, for torment to really begin to move into a life. But there are also now, again, I, I just, time doesn't let me go into all the different avenues. I'll come back to it here in a little bit. But points of deliverance, let's talk about that. Because there are points of deliverance. The first thing is deliverance from sin. You know the answer to this? Not a hard one. We yelled his name earlier. His name is Jesus. Jesus is absolutely the answer here. He took the punishment for every act 
We did it as a person due to the influence of the power that we gave up control to the principality who gives it up to Satan. Jesus took care of all that. Now, I'm kind of thinking these are great places to go. Yes, yes, yes. But the fact of the matter is, is the majority of the body of Christ confess that and yet don't believe it. Because we have this selective, this unconscious, selective spiritual attention. That we don't stop to look that there is an origin and there is a solution to the problems that we face. And this is critical for me. This is why communion is so critically important. This is why it's not important just to take communion at church once a month, but take it at home. Spend time at home and and declare that he is the savior of our sins. He's the one that has delivered me. It doesn't mean that I don't have issues in my flesh, but we're getting new flesh. But then there is the second thing, that another delivery point that we have to talk about, and that's the deliverance of self. Because when you live in sin, okay, there's sin, that's missing the mark, but you do that long enough, it becomes iniquity. I've used this illustration time and time again, probably, of course, probably sick of hearing it. But it's simply, here's the difference. If you sin, it's a little bit like, and this really works well for guys, because if we say a sign that says don't, the first thought that comes to our mind is how can we? God, don't let me hang in, guys. You know what I'm talking about. And so if a sign says, don't step in the grass, and we have a choice to go this way or that way, and some of you know this about coming to the church offices, you still walk in the grass. You know that's sin. Here's the sign. Boom, that's sin. But here's what happens. You sin long enough, and you walk around in that grass long enough. The reason there's a sign there is because it's new grass, and your shoes are going to get all muddy. And if you walk around it enough, that mud is going to get caked on and you're not going to get it off and it's going to go wherever you're at. That's iniquity. It's crookedness. And so you walk with the, the, the sin. You walk with that way of life. And so the desires of the eyes become something where you go, I need to possess that. The desires of the flesh say, I'm just used to that. Um, we joke around here a lot, and I, I know I do. My mom gets mad at me because she's not Dutch. She's like, why don't I get... We do things because of our nationality. And we just, we just say that's the way we are. And, and if you're not careful, there certainly are traits that are associated to our, our cultures and upbringings and ethnicities. But, the, but if we're not careful, we can say, well, I'm hot-headed, I explode, and then I'm over it. Well, a shotgun explodes and the gun's over it, but the person standing in front of it's not. That's how a power affects a person. And so the point of deliverance is self. There's, there's a strong desire, and this is, social media has made this so much, ratcheted up so much, is this desire for acceptance. Got to be accepted, got to be accepted. Desire to achieve, desire for recognition, desire to act and act now. And what happens is that there needs to be a deliverance from self because ultimately the enemy holds people in these places and you end up being tormented. There's deliverance from sickness. Now, not all sickness is from from direct demonic activity. There's some sickness just associated with with, uh, the fall of man. I was born with hips that turn in. Okay, I walk funny. 
You know this to be true, okay? Now, does that mean that I was attacked by a demon? No. It means that when I was a kid, I wouldn't wear the corrective shoes. And so now I'm not old, as my mom just got me this shirt, you're not old, you're a classic, okay? My hips are getting a bit worn. But there are some where their sickness is an attack of the enemy to keep them from doing what God intends for them to do. And so they are afflicted with sickness. In some cases, mental, mental uh, illness is an issue of the brain. And in some cases... It's the issue of the demonic. There's a power that is afflicting. There's a power that is overcome. And that kind of leads me into the, the, the fourth one, which is the, the deliverance from demonization. And, and, and I want you to get this. The, the deliverance from demonization has nothing to do with who owns you. It's not a possession thing. It's who's controlling you. If you have an, 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 a behavior that is, has enslaved you, Directly or indirectly, you now have been demonized. Jesus said, do not give place to the enemy. I think of it a little bit like, you know, if China or Russia or some other, you know, media-made bad place came and invaded our country, they would get as far as Texas, right? Now, they may possess the United States, but they wouldn't possess all of the United States because they wouldn't have Texas. And sometimes, if we're not careful, that's how our Christianity is. Jesus gets the other 49 states, but there's one state in our heart that he's not getting. Because somebody else already has control of that. So, so here's the, the, really the go this week. It really has everything to do with, you know, personally, how do we sort through this? How do we, how do we kind of, you know, see deliverance and see freedom come into our life? Because there is a pathway. And the pathway is simply, uh, it starts with worship. It's turning to the Lord. It's the moment you said yes to him. Psalm 22, 3 says, you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. So the, in, in these areas that are controlling, these areas that are, that are keeping people from moving into the full freedom, you can't worship once a week. You can't, I like that, Bill has an excellent illustration. You can't live off a breathing machine. You've got to choose to turn to the Lord. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, turning to him. It's a pathway to freedom. I, this gets to be the time of year. I'm trying not to do that this year. It's a perfect illustration for me because I go out and golf and I don't use sunscreen. Do you know what happens when I don't use sunscreen? No, I get in trouble from Clarissa. She says, don't go out there and get burned. I'm not going to be married to some old wrinkly guy. What did, I, what did I do to get burnt? All I did was go in the sun. And when you turn and you worship the Lord, there's a glory and a radiance and a brilliance that changes you without you even recognizing it. It won't leave blisters, though, or get you in trouble with your spouse. The, the next one is immersion in the Word of God. So Jesus said in John chapter 8, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So there, there, it can't be a casual approach to God's Word. It's not a once-a-week thing. It's a constant in God's Word. What are you saying? Here's the beauty of God's Word. God's Word is unyielding but his mercies are unceasing. Never want to confuse those two. God is not going to change his bar. His bar is perfection. 
But because he knows that we live in this flesh, and this flesh doesn't align, he gave us Jesus. And so we can live a life in Christ. I'm almost done. Can I have a few more minutes? Okay. Paul said, and I think there's another incredible pathway, is learning to walk in the Spirit. He says, stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made you free, and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That's the great thing about the Spirit. When you, when you learn to walk in the Spirit, when you, when, you, when you learn to say, I know this is where my flesh wants to slap them, but I got to try to forgive them. This is where I want, to, I want to speak out against, but this is where I just need to keep quiet. Another pathway to freedom is, is what you're doing here today and what you do in your life groups, and that's life in the body. Because there is no fear in love. And, and love is expressed. And, and more, and this is so critical for Bethel in the, in the upcoming years, is that, that we live in a generation where, where the, the idea of a person being raised in a family with a healthy dad and a healthy mom, at whatever level of health, it's never perfect, perfection, but even the existence of it doesn't happen. And so where are they going to learn to find those places of deliverances? Not by somebody who's going to pick up a Bible and beat them across the head with it. If you disciple long enough, you'll want to do that. But that's not how it's done. It's done through love. It's done through, it's done through one person who's not in the sin, sacrificing for the person who is. It's the, it's the, it's the picture of Noah naked in the tent and, and two of his sons walking in backwards, going... No, we don't want you to deal with that shame. We're just going to cover that up and go on. And I think to me that just moves into the, the, the other one, which would be restoration. It's, it's, it's restoring and bearing one another's burdens and walking through and understanding that we all have issues. It's understanding that we all have issues. This side does. Somewhere along here, I lost it, people. So it's understanding we all have issues. They're not going there. Yeah. I tried. Lord, you know I tried. Which brings me to the persistence part. Let's try this again. No, I'm kidding. I want you to, I want you to catch it. We're going to finish out here. Here's what Jesus said at the last part of that scripture. Here's what he said to the man. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. This is all about persistence. It's about walking the opposite direction in the opposite place with some of the same people and being persistent about what God has done. Now, here's what I want to finish just with this, because this, this persistence to me is so huge. It really is. It's, it's, not, it's not passivity. It's not stopping and going, well, God's just going to do something. No, it's now I'm going to, I'm going to actually go after this. And so I was at one of the groups on Wednesday, and uh, one of the group members told a story, and they're just talking about their past, and, and they didn't use these words. And I stopped, and I said, you know, I hope you understand how profound of a principle that you just said to this group. And here's what they said. They said that when they, they, they came to Christ, they got tired of living, and these are my words, by the way, in a pool of guilt and shame. They felt guilty about who they were. They were ashamed of uh, who they are. You know, when you're guilty, you feel bad about what you've done. 
When you live in shame, you, you feel bad about who you are. And the, and the enemy always wants us there because then we don't think God wants anything to do with us. But they said, but Jesus took them out of that pool. And this is where the persistence comes. They've never gotten far from the edge of that pool. And there are people in their lives that will try to splash it on them. And they have to be persistent to not give a power a point of entrance. And if you think that, boy, once, once I'm over this, whatever this is, man, I'm done with it. Well, you will be. Um, but you'll be six foot under and in presence of Jesus in spirit until that new body comes up. There are things that we have given powers and principalities rule over that the Jesus will bring us out of it, but then through worship, through immersion in the word, through love and the body of Christ, bearing one another's burdens, we may stay close to that edge, but we're not going back in there. We're going to stay free and we're going to live free. And so next week, what we're going to do is we're going to really look at how Jesus took this tormented, I love this, they found him sitting in his right mind, which means he was left-handed. Some of you get that later. So as I'm praying this morning, and uh, here's what we're going to do. If you want to, if, I'm going to take Monday night, 7 o'clock, you can come by Zoom or you can come to the office, but I want to do a full question and answer portion of this. And so if you want to be a, join on Zoom or come in person, you need to fill out the girl card and let me know because I'm not going to go sit by myself, okay? Uh, and uh, make sure that I have, you know, if we don't already have your cell number or your email address so you can get the link. Because as, as people of God who have been called to ignite change, we have to understand how the enemy has kept people captive. And... Uh, and Jesus is the answer and leading people to that place where people are in their, in their right mind because they're overcoming the powers and the principalities and no longer given credence and worship to the enemy is a huge thing. And because of all the social media and all the different types of messages that people can bring about this topic, people are way opposite ends of the spectrum. But we've got to make sure that we really do not live with any kind of um, real selective or unconscious selective spiritual attention. And so I want to give a little bit more time to this. So Monday night at 7 o'clock. So Father, we just come and we say yes. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to grow and to, uh, to become uh, the kind of people that behave in a manner that ignite change, that recognize that our coworkers really uh, are mean because they have been influenced. We recognize that the, the, the people and the poverty and the, and, the, and the anger and the vitriol and all the things that are going on in our world are all being released because there is a, a, a demonic oppression and a demonic influence that is keeping people tormented. And you came that we have might have life and have it abundantly, that we would be set free so that, Lord, we might help others step into and live the life of liberty that is Jesus Christ, not the life of guilt and shame, not the life of torment, but a life that is overcoming, a life that is purposeful, a life that is hopeful, a life that is joyful, knowing that, Lord, while we live in this flesh, we do everything, everything to bring glory to you. But we also know that there's coming a day where this flesh is no longer going to have the, the control that it does because we are going to have new bodies. We're going to be raised to a better life. 
but we are forgiven until then. And so we walk in that and live in that, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.